0: Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host
1: for new focus on wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, I love your email questions. It gives me content, lets me know what you want to hear about. So shoot me an email, Chad at ChadBurton.com. That's Chad at ChadBurton.com. Got a team of over 60 certified financial planners, a bunch of chartered financial analysts. So, if there's something I don't know off the top of my head, we'll find an answer. That's for sure. So, Chad at Chadburton.com. Today, I'm going to go over much of this show is going to be taken up by an article that was in Financial Advisor Magazine. And it says, Retirees, forget the 4% withdrawal rule. Just forget about it. And that was uh, written by Teresa. Gil Raducci. And I know I'm butchering the last name because I always do, but she is professor of economics at the New School for Social Research, which I hadn't really heard of until today. Uh, she's a co-author co-author of Rescuing Retirement and a member of the board of directors of the Excellent Economic Policy Institute. Wow. Butchering everything today. But, um, you know, not saying anything bad or good about the New School for Social Research. I just really hadn't looked into it at all. But the article was great because it's a very short article in the Financial Advisor magazine, but a lot of great content and comments that retirees are dealing about, dealing with. And you've heard me over and over again talk about this 4% rule of thumb. Uh, this is where financial planners used really a, a 1994 study that showed that 4% was a safe withdrawal rate if you had a conservative portfolio with low fees and you wanted to cushion for the worst-case scenario. So what it meant was that if you were retiring at age 65 with a million dollars, you could safely withdraw 4% or $40,000 a year, increase it each year with inflation, and you should have enough money to last to a normal ripe old age, even a little bit beyond the normal like say age 86 life expectancy. So there was inflation involved and There's a lot of issues with that that we've talked about in the past. First of all, when I think back to that and, you know, I got into the business 1993 is when I was licensed and, um, a lot of things were going on back then. I mean, first of all, the 10 year treasury was at 7% back then. Guess what the 10 year treasury is yielding right now? 1.44%. It dropped again to 1.44%. So if the 10-year treasury was yielding 7% back then, we could get even higher rates on things like corporate bonds that were out 10, 15, 20 years. You could ladder a bond portfolio and easily get 6%. Now, good luck. Well, I was, I've was i been talking a ton about this. You got the average bond fund that's got a you know, decent amount of safety in terms of interest rate risk. And I wouldn't even call it safety. It's more like a decent amount of sensitivity where you're seeing... Bond funds yielding somewhere between two and two and a half percent with duration of five, meaning if the ten-year treasury goes from one point four four percent all the way up to two point four four percent, which is still historically low, that that bond fund could drop five percent in value. So we have extremely low interest rates. People are living much longer. And not that's not necessarily true for the whole population though. So. People that actually have money, have wealth, and have the ability to eat better and work out, pay for the dues and pay for extra healthcare costs are living longer. So that's one issue. But but we have had two decades of extremely low inflation. We're all seeing the brunt of that now. So who knows if this is going to be transitory inflation that we're all seeing. The Northwest, $4.50 for premium gasoline. Um, So who, who knows how long that will last? Um, we have a situation in when in construction demand is extremely high. And if you ask the person that's f- finishing the remodel that I did, luckily I ordered a lot of stuff in the past, but I still have stuff that's not going to show up for months. They just can't get it. It's a huge demand, production problems, signs of inflation. So we could go through a decade of higher inflation. Inflation that's much higher than before. And so that withdrawal rate is just so silly because the the stock market also, even though it averages 10-11% over your lifetime in the past, like it has in the last 100 years, 70% of the time is positive, 30% of the time is negative. So during those negative times, if you've heard me talk, you do not want to be selling stocks. When interest rates up and your bonds are down, you don't want to be selling bonds. You want to be able to hold. So you have to have a certain amount of cash on the sidelines. So that 4% rule, that's how much to safely withdraw from your portfolio. That's one question. And where to withdraw the money from? That's two very different questions, two very different decisions that you have to make in retirement. And there's no right answer for everyone. So those rule of thumbs are a joke. They really truly are. Because it depends on if you're going to take Social Security at 62, 65, 67, age 70. Depends on what type of assets you have. Are they all in a 401k that's never been taxed? Or do you have tax diversification? Do you have some Roth money, some t- cash, some stocks that are subject to capital gains? And where to safely withdraw that money depends on what's going on in the market. Like this year, what a perfect year. We've, we've already had one year worth of gains in six months. One year's worth of gain, a really good stock market year in six months. So if your cash is low and you're retired and you need to raise cash to make sure that you have enough money to live for the next two to three years, you should have your portfolio draws covered. So if you're typically drawing 50 grand a year out of your portfolio to supplement your Social Security and other income, you should probably have about 150 grand in cash. So that's where do you would draw. Both stocks... Well, stocks are up this year. Bonds are slightly down. Just slightly. The average bond. So now would be a good year to trim some stocks. And that's where you spend your money from. When the stock market's down, you'd withdraw from your cash. That's why I have cash, why I have that safe money thing that I always talk about. Um, and then how much that you can safely withdraw, that can also ebb and flow based on what is going on in the market, what's going on with inflation, everything else. You, you should have a financial plan that lays this all out in a very detailed level. But most of your financial plans are going to be linear cash flow modeling where you have a certain rate of return on your portfolio and a certain rate of inflation. So typically we use 2.25% normal uh, expenses. We tie that right to inflation. So when inflation goes up, our expenses and our financial plans go up. Healthcare costs rising at 5%. So does that mean if you have a year like, uh, you know, let's just say 2008 and 2009, did you expect people that were retired to reduce their household spending by 30 to 50% depending on how they were allocated? You can't do that in most cases. Now, can you put off major purchases, maybe put off a vacation and not increase your withdrawals for inflation that one year? Yeah. But if you look at cash flow projections, when you have a significant market correction, if you reduce your spending by 1% or 2% forever instead of 30% for a year because of a correction, it's the same effect. And then you can always alter your plan again once the market recovers. So a lot goes into this, that, that 4% rule of thumb, its its it just doesn't work. And many are asking, do I have enough to retire? Because I see it a lot again in the tech industry. There's a lot of turnover and a lot of people are like, I, I don't want to do this. The market's up. It's time for me to retire. Or I had a lot of Cisco clients that were kind of offered this uh, early package. And, and a lot of times it feels like you better take it or you know, maybe something will happen when they downsize and you're first to go. So many are asking, do I have enough to retire? And I will say before we get into this, before we go to the break, in her article, she goes on to say at one point, let's say you're one of the lucky ones who have accumulated $1 in your 401k retirement account after years of working. But like many, maybe the pandemic has made you second guess being in the office and your employer is pushing older employees along so you've decided to retire. So how can you safely withdraw the $1 million and not run out of money before you die? And you're probably considering two main options, live for the moment and cash out the money as needed or cut back and conserve to ensure, ensure that the money lasts for the rest of your and your partner's life. And she says, both decisions are wrong. So we're going to talk about this article because it gets into how much you can withdraw. It gets into social security. It gets into annuities. It's short and sweet, but it kind of hits on all of these different areas that we tend to talk about. Been helping people retire and make their money last since 1993. So I've been through a lot of different financial situations, went through the tech correction, went through the credit crisis, went through the, you know, what we all faced last year with COVID and the short huge market decrease and then back in the increase and it really hasn't changed the strategy that I've been talking about on air since prior to 1999. And how we deal with portfolios and how much safe money we should have to make your money last through corrections so that you can stay invested, collect dividends and come out ahead, which is, man, if, if you would have sold during the corrections or sold at the bottom, you're hurting forever. But if you would have been able to live off of your dividends, interest, your cash on hand, your social security and let your money recover, you would be way ahead. We're at all time highs in most markets right now. And I was going over an article that was in the Financial Advisor Magazine by Teresa Gildarducci. Gildarducci, Gil I'll never get that name right. It's like every single author they have is really good there, but their names are really difficult. Maybe it's just for me. But I was going over this article on retirees should forget the 4% draw rate. And later in this article, she does write, while it may feel overwhelming to figure out how to make your $1 million last, it is a fortunate problem to have the median wealth for people in the bottom half of the wealth distribution is about $300,000 with most of that tied up in a house if the house were sold and the 4% rule were applied retirees would typically wind up with $1600 a month for the rest of their lives assuming average life expectancy which is about 86 and they'd still have to pay rent somewhere else if they sold their house and then the other th- what they would have is social security right so you know some like to blame it on the american system and a lot of it has to do with personal choices, too you know, whether or not you're smoking and drinking before saving retirement, whether or not you're buying a new car instead of saving retirement, uh, there's a lot of people too that don't get the opportunities that are out there. so it's a, it's a little bit of everything, but the system is it's a problem. We used to all have pensions and now hardly anybody has a pension anymore. So it's up to you to make sure that you save and save right and then don't retire too early because there's so much age discrimination, especially in the Bay Area. Um, I've been hearing stories about tech managers that they have three open positions and they're supposed to hire six people and then fire three people within three to six months. And then you've seen resumes for anybody under the age of 35 where it's now not uncommon to see somebody be at a place for six to seven months before they move and jump jobs again. And so as an older employee in the tech industry, it's... You got cultural issues often, and it's just, it's tough. There's a lot of age discrimination. So especially in certain industries like the tech industry, you don't want to retire too early. Don't make that mistake because it's hard to go back to work when you're a little bit later in life. Um, now to be able to truly calculate what is the correct withdrawal rate on how much money you have for retirement, you have to make assumptions about when you and your spouse will die, how financial markets were fair. I've talked all about this in that six tests that you have to do to make sure your retirement plan is is solid. You got the linear cash flow, you got Monte Carlo simulations to deal with the order of stock market return risks. Um, but in this article, she says, let's say you're not the typical American. Not only do you have one million, but you beat the 30% chance of being caught co- in cognitive decline after age 70. And you beat the 35% risk of Alzheimer's after age 85. And yes, you were able to evade financial uh, predation. So I I did a show on, uh, I commented, I think, two shows ago on uh, a product that people could use to keep an eye on their elderly parents because if they're, you know, elder abuse or financial, they're, they're, attacked by a financial predator. And that sounds really odd, but it's basically anything from the guy that comes up and says, Hey, I'll fix your roof for $10,000. If you give me $5,000 down, I'll go get the stuff. And then I'll fix your roof tomorrow. And it'll only cost $10,000. And so they give them the cash and then they never see the person again. All the way up to the caretaker that is literally pulling money out of accounts and stealing. And that's happening more and more. And it's really sad. Um, So there's a lot of financial crime going on in the elderly population right now. And then this article, I mean, just, just one or two sentences, she talks about the 30% chance of being in cognitive decline after age 70, 35% risk of Alzheimer's after age 85. So what this withdrawal rate of 4% does not really include is a model of if you or your spouse goes into a nursing home for the average day, which is around three years. And you're talking about costs well, well, well over $100,000 in the Bay Area, in Portland, Seattle, wherever you may be listening. It's going up very quickly, 5% plus a year. Very, very expensive. And then all these people are getting drastically huge rate increases on the long-term care insurance that they bought years ago. So we also have that issue of the unknown healthcare costs of nursing homes, assisted living, that stuff that Medicare doesn't cover. And we have to address that as a nation for sure. But the the article goes on, and and the only real rule that is blindly sticking with the 4% is dangerous. That's that's the only idea that you have to take. Blindly sticking to a 4% draw rate is dangerous. I've given you a number in the past of 3 to 3.5% if you want things to be safe. Because interest on bonds, it's not the stock market, guys. It's the interest on bonds and CDs. It's where our safe money is these days. Historically low. It's literally a quarter of what we used to get when I got into the business. A quarter. CDs at a half a percent. I've had questions, constant questions. I had one from Nick about hey, where do I put my money? I sold a house, 20% over asking. I'm renting in a 55 and older plus park to see if it's for me, or not a park, I'm sorry, but a 55 and older community to see if it's right for him, to see if he likes it before he buys. Where do I stick my cash to keep up with inflation? You can't. The only way to keep up with beat inflation right now is to take risk. Because about the best place for cash right now is banks like Ally, A-L-L-Y, where you can get a half a percent on FDIC-insured uh, online savings account. Capital One 365 is even lower than that. And Goldman Sachs Marcus is somewhere around there. But that's about it, a half a percent. And I would not tie money up in you know, 12, 13, 14 two-year CDs or anything like that. It's not worth the extra income. Because... Rates could likely go up, but if the bond market is is telling us something that things are going to slow down because of the supply chain issues and you have a market correction, you're going to want that cash to buy stocks. So I would keep it liquid and safe. All right. But that's the biggest issue is this, this rule. You've got low interest rates. You've got healthcare issues. So if you want a, you know, closer idea, three, maybe three and a half percent at the most, if you're trying to do a, you know, back of the napkin type of a retirement plan, is a draw rate. So that, if you think about that, if you got a million dollars, unless you can live off $30,000 a year plus Social Security, you do not have enough to retire. Millionaires are no longer millionaires anymore. You get what I'm saying? It is also a real ebb and flow situation because it depends on when you take Social Security. All right? When do you take Social Security? Uh, how much are you going to spend in travel in the first 10, 15 years? And then that's going to slow down. Most of your expenses are not going to go on forever when it comes to your hobbies, travel, all those types of things so it's 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 gonna base it's based on the year right then you have some future goals you have i've got to fix up my house I need a new car every seven to ten years I've got different things that kind of ebb and throw flow throughout your retirement and You kind of put those off when the market's in decline, but when the market's up way more than expected, that's when you do those things. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases Always Packed Pass. Or the Wait, I Get to Choose from 100,000 Trips Pass. The be the Beach, City, Mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Once again, doing a show on that stupid 4% withdrawal rule that was created, really got really into play about a year after I got in the business in 1994, where people kind of took this rule of thumb said, hey, if you have... If you retire at 65 and you can live off 4% of your portfolio, you can increase it each year by about 2% to keep up with inflation. You'll have enough money to last till the day you die. And we all know why that is not a good rule of thumb anymore. Um, And uh, going over this article is in the Financial Advisor magazine that hit on so many different items. And one of them was about annuities. What about annuities? The article says that research shows elders are less depressed having a guaranteed stream of income in in their portfolio versus having a million dollars to manage. Now, that sounds like it was research done by somebody tied to insurance companies. We see these different surveys and researches funded typically by insurance companies. Whenever it comes to annuities, it's like you look in the background and it's like Manulife or somebody else <laughs> that sponsored this thing. Um. And it says the the article says some advisors like some advisors like annuities, but private annuity markets are tricky. Here's the pitch is what I'm going to tell you. So this is this is me. This isn't the article. Here's the pitch on an annuity. Hey, Mister or Miss Radio Listener, if you invest five hundred thousand dollars now, in five years, this insurance company not only will it be invested in stocks and bonds through sub accounts that look like mutual funds. But in five years, this insurance company is going to pay you 5% of $638,000 for as long as you live. No matter how long you live, they're going to pay you 5% of $638,000. That's $31,900 per year for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. So if you invest this $500,000 now and the market declines, in five years, we're going to pay you 5% of six hundred thirty-eight dollars or $31,900 per year, no matter how long you live. That sounds pretty amazing, right? That is guaranteed income, and your money stays invested in stocks and bonds through what are called subaccounts inside a variable annuity. And they look they basically look like mutual funds. They're just called subaccounts because they're in an annuity. So that's the pitch, and it sounds really good because here's what I did: is five hundred thousand dollars when you invest it in a variable annuity, you have two different values. You have your actual account value, which is the amount you invested minus the annual fees plus whatever the investments are doing. You have your actual account value. And then you have this thing called a guaranteed lifetime benefit base. Um, And what that is, is they'll tell you that no matter what you invest, that, guarantee, that base, that benefit base will increase by 5% a year compound. So that's all I did there. It's 500,000 compounded at 5% for five years, 638 grand. You still have your account value though. Now, keep in mind, there's never been a 10 year period in stock market recent stock market history, like 100 years, where a balanced portfolio lost money. And a balanced portfolio is what I mean is like if you had like a uh, 60 40 type of a portfolio, where you've got of the 60, you got a good portion, you know, usually 15 20 percent international investments, and in the rest in U.S. large, small, and mid and then 40% in bonds. There's never been a period where that has lost money. Even if you invested in October of 2007, the, the month before the Great Recession, the month before the credit crisis, the month before we literally almost went into a global depression because the financial system was so over leveraged. 10 years later in 2017, you still averaged a little over 5% even with that giant decline in stocks. Keep that in mind. Now, that, that was the worst decade that I can think of, really. Um, even, I mean, we won't go too much into stock market history, but it's it was, it was a tough time. I mean, every asset class got thrown out the window for a while. Because nobody knew what the heck was happening. Now, I also want you to keep in mind that when you buy an annuity from somebody... First of all, the sales pitch is always really good because they're usually earning a 5 to 7% commission. Um, so you're talking about if you're investing $500,000, that person's typically going to make a $25,000 commission by selling to you. So you can bet that they got their sales pitch dialed in. Now, you also have to keep in mind the insurance company is only going to give you your money back until your account goes to zero. The only time the insurance company is on the hook is if your account goes to zero because the insurance company is always just giving you your money back. And the only time they're on the hook is if the stock market has a really, really bad period for a long period of time. And all of a sudden, you're you know, 80 years old and your account goes to zero. That's when they kick in. And in this scenario, they'd be kicking in by paying you $31,900 per year. If you're at 65 and that happens at like age 80 or 85 what what happens to everything, right? I mean, if if we go through a period where it's worse than the financial crisis and insurance companies are already somewhat struggling because interest rates are so low, are they going to be there to pay you? Keep that in mind. Are they going to be there to pay you? Because they're going to just give you your money back until that goes to zero. And what are they really guaranteeing? If you actually just run a basic spreadsheet and you have your $500,000 and you say, okay. I'm going to have it grow for five years, and then I'm going to withdraw on it till I'm age 86, which is a normal life expectancy. How much do I have to get to actually have this 31,900 per year for the rest of your life? And a lot of times, it's only like two or three percent. That's all that they would need to get to give you that amount of money for as long as you live. So, what are they really guaranteeing? It's only about two to three percent return in many cases, and for that, you're paying about two percent in some cases, 3% in annual fees to get those guarantees. Now, if you look at 2% on 500 grand, that's $10,000 a year. There's no free lunch on Wall Street, people. The, the, these annuities are not free. Lot, most of them are smoke and mirror garbage. Smoke and mirror garbage because there's never been a 10-year period where a bounce portfolio lost money. They're never going to be on the hook unless your account goes to zero. And guess who pays for this? You're going to get income for life as long as the insurance company's is around. And your account goes to zero and they have to kick in. As long as they're around, yeah, you'll get income for life. But it drastically eats away at your real account value because of those high fees. And when you die, let's say you die early. Let's say you die when you're 75 or whenever. What goes to your heirs is typically your account value, which is drastically reduced because you've been paying a massive amount of fees every single year. Massive amount of fees. And typically now that fee is based on the guaranteed value versus your account value, so it can even be even worse. Now look, I will say that there are no load versions of these things that we work with. So I have as a fee-only fiduciary-based advisor, I've got a lot of clients that have annuities. They have some guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit annuities that are from no load companies. There's no commission. Uh, We can leave anytime we want to. So if I don't like the thing anymore, we can just transfer money back to TD Ameritrade Schwab or Fidelity and invest it normally. And I'm keeping an eye on because if the 10-year treasury ever gets to 3.5%, 4% and the account values have held, we're getting out of them. We're, we're, we're done. And those no-load ones, are they're not free. They still have underlying fees, but they're usually half of what the commission-based products are. There's some other index options out there too. But I'm going to tell you right now, nine, 100% of annuities sold by people that earn commission are garbage. And I know this because that's how I got into the business. I I got into the business with my grandfather in the early nineties. He sold annuities for banks. That's what he did. I fell in love with the business, got licensed, quickly realized I hated commission based financial planning because it wasn't financial planning. It was sales and I hated sales. I loved finance. I loved taxes. I loved estate planning, all of it, but I hated sales. And I'm looking at these products that these old guys were selling. All these guys with gray, slick back hair and super nice suits. And I'm like, these products are garbage. Grandpa, I wouldn't put you in this product. So I started a fee-only firm. And back then, there were actually some really good, even commission-based annuities. I still have some of his old clients that are still alive that are in fixed income or fixed uh, rate annuities with a guaranteed minimum, 4%, totally liquid. Those don't; those aren't around anymore. So, what we were doing back then, there was a lot of good stuff, and they, it quickly became—you just none of those were available anymore. So, I was done, and I started a fee-only firm long, long time ago. So, there are no-load versions of these annuities that I'm talking about that can be a good bond alternative. So, if you're like 60 years old and you're like, I need to reduce risk, I want to sell some stocks and and buy bonds, but bonds are paying so low, it's kind of a good in-between scenario if it's no load. And then that way, if three or four years interest rates pop and we can just go buy individual bonds again, we'll just go do that and get out of the annuity. But avoid commission-based annuity. Most Almost 100% of those are awful. Basically, there's some good ones on the no-load world. But it's kind of, when you look at that, going all the way back to this article, and our problem with the 4% draw rule, it has to do with bonds. People are looking for bond alternatives. And there are some that are out there. They're really tough to find right now. The article does go on to say, though, that the best annuity is to delay claiming Social Security even if you have to tap into your retirement assets. And we talk about this all the time, right? You can get about an 8% increase in inflation-adjusted Social Security benefits if you wait till age 70 to take money from Social Security. Delaying past 70 doesn't make any sense. But if you look at 65 or 67, whatever your normal retirement age is, um, and you delay taking Social Security benefits. And as long as you live into your mid-80s and beyond, it was like getting an 8% rate of return on your money. So that's one step that you need to take. And then you got to plan for how am I going to survive from retirement to age 70 without Social Security? So again, that's in that scenario, if you're, you're retiring at 65, but you're not going to take Social Security until 70, you got one set of expenses and portfolio draws for five years, and then it changes after age 70. So that 4% draw rule doesn't work. It ebbs and flows and it's an annual review that you need to make. Talking about how much is a safe withdrawal rate, well, it kind of depends on you. It's going to depend on how long you're going to live. If you take Social Security, do you have long-term care insurance for healthcare issues in the future? Um, what's the stock market doing? And going over this article in the Financial Advisor magazine, and she goes on to say that if you really want some kind of guidance on how much to withdraw, Boston retirement economist Alicia Munnell suggests following the Internal Revenue Service's Required Minimum Distribution Rule. So for those that don't know what the Required Minimum Distribution Rule is, if once you turn 72, you have to pull money out of your IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, all those retirement accounts that you've put money in pre-tax, and they've been deferring forever. They're like, nope, time to take money out. Because this was meant to be a tax benefit for you, not for your heirs. So they have you start taking money out at age 72. Now, if you were born if you're 70 and a half or or if you were born before July 1st, 1949, she says, that, you know, remember that started at age 70 and a half. At 72 was changed by the Secure Act. Now, what if you look at uh the I like IRA help.com, but the, the IRS dot gov has the required minimum distribution table. And for every year there's a factor. So you look at your age and then you look at the factor. You divide your seventy your December thirty first value by that factor, and that's how much you have to take out that year. So at age seventy two, the IRS requires you to withdraw about three point nine percent of your total retirement accounts. And at age ninety, the the amount is eight point eight percent. So it's kind of like as you age and things change, the older you get, the more you can draw out because older you get, the less likely you're going to live much longer. Especially once you're in your 90s and well past people's life expectancy. So, I mean, that's a that's a decent one. But the best thing that you can do is do very specific cash flow modeling. And in the model, you have certain expenses that remain around forever, like taxes. You or not taxes, well, taxes are there. We project that in there. But like uh, you have your property taxes, you have your utility bills, your cable bills, your cell phone bills, your normal grocery costs but travel's not normal right because i've most clients that will travel a ton in the first 10 years of retirement and then they're like all right we're done they don't travel as much or things change they stop traveling and they end up spending more time wherever their grandkids are, are where their kids need help with the kids and things like that so that all has to be projected things that people forget about is healthcare costs what's covered what's not you know setting aside about $300,000 $250 000 to $300,000 per person for Amount that's covered that's going to cost you healthcare co pays you know all the ancillary stuff that you're not thinking about new car every so often fixing your home whether it's maintenance or remodeling every fifteen years or so and I mean I just went through it myself a house that I bought in two thousand two a couple water leaks later and some finding some mold turned into a giant remodel project that I did not want to do but it was kind of forced into it and that was built in 2002 and there was you know sub zero refrigerator that once that got pulled out there was a floorboard underneath it that was rotting cuz that thing was leaking you know what i mean so stuff doesn't last forever in fact electronics washing machines things like that that doesn't last, they don't last as long as they used to and then you got to fix stuff so keep that in mind so the best thing you do is really do a model of all of this and then in your model you can run different scenarios like we've talked about with the Monte Carlo simulation and everything else. But if you want a kind of a basic idea, if you look at you're you're trying to hey do I even have anywhere close to enough? I don't really have time to pay a financial advisor right now to confirm what I've got. If you want to do back the napkin, you say here's what I have. This is what it's going to grow to in five years. Can I remotely afford to pay all my expenses, all my taxes, all my healthcare costs out of a three percent of that number? Realizing that you have social security and other issues, a lot of variances, but at least it kind of gives you an idea. So put that 4% out of your head. If you're still hearing that, 4% is dead. Until interest rates return to normal, interest that 4% withdrawal rate is dead for a 65-year-old. Now, if you're 75 or 80, it can actually be higher than that. So it's really kind of specific to you. But I will say when markets are like this, this is the time to act. When we have, you know, the Nasdaq back to a one-year high after a tech, uh, all-time high after a tech correction, and the rest of the market doing extremely well, everything opened, travel demand through the roof. I mean, things are crazy right now. Anybody traveled over the Fourth of July weekend, or if I look back in uh, June fifteenth to the nineteenth, when I was in Oahu with my son to check out where he's going to college, couldn't find a rental car, couldn't get dinner reservations. Busiest Waikiki had been in years. Demand through the stuff is through the roof. Construction demand through the roof. And a lot of that says either we're going to, you know, supply chain can't get catch up and we'll have a bit of a correction or we're going to have some some inflation coming down the road. And a lot of that could mean, you know, to fight inflation, typically what happens is interest rates go up to slow down the economy. Because what happens is, companies and people borrow money to buy big items, to make capital investments. And when money's cheap, capital investments run in and through the economy. So to slow things down, the reserve will raise interest rates. And if it costs more to borrow money, that kind of slows things down a little bit. And right now, we're kind of just dealing with a very, very horrible political situation where everybody's infighting about stupid things instead of looking at the finances of the United States over the long run. And so right now, the economy's kind of punch drunk on low interest rates and cheap, easy, fast money. It's going to end sometime. And so now is the time to act where you look at your portfolio, you're 60, 65 years old, you're about to retire. You're 100% in equities. Now is the time to make sure you get more diversified. Taxes are likely going to go up next year. And so getting ready to retire, having the right amount of cash, the right projections, knowing where your money is going to come from, now is the time to figure that all out. Not after the market corrects, and then you're like, woulda, shoulda, coulda. You do these things and make the adjustments at all-time highs. And guess what? Get used to all-time highs. They happen 70% of the time. So they're going to come and go. We're going to have a correction and then we'll be back eventually at all-time highs again. I don't know when the correction is going to occur. We could have way more all-time highs before the correction occurred. I don't know. If you see what I'm getting at, you need to make your adjustments now, especially if you're close to retirement. If you need help with that, all you need to do is go to chadburton.com. We got me plus a team of well over 50 certified financial planner practitioners that work with me on financial plans and retirement plans, investments, all fee-only fiduciary-based. We don't sell things like garbage annuities and commission-based products. We help with taxes and estate planning as well. So check it out. Just go to chadburton.com. You can find out about me and our company, EP Wealth. It's all there. Some downloadables as well. And if you have a money question for the show, you can submit them through the site or shoot me an email, chadburton.com. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.